for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Marcus Thompson, who covers the Warriors for the Athletic, about the best team in the NBA, the 9-1 Golden State Warriors, coming off a victory where they trailed 15 points on Monday night to the Atlanta Hawks. Steph Curry posts 50 points and 10 assists, the oldest point guard in the history of the NBA to do so. We can talk to Marcus about that, as well as the potential return of James Wiseman and how that could mess with a little bit of the chemistry. We can talk about all of that, as well as the emergence of Gary Payton II. All that coming up with Marcus Thompson, who joins me next. Today is Wednesday, November 10th. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Marcus Thompson. He, of course, covers the Warriors and all Bay Area sports for The Athletic. Noted author, noted uh, Warriors journalist. I don't know what we call you, man. Jack of all trades. It's great to have you back, Marcus. How are you, man? That was a lot of noted. I didn't know I was so noted, but I have noted that I am noted. Yeah, that's good. We'll keep noting uh, things and adding them to your ledger as we move along. Kind of like we're adding things to Steph Curry's ledger. I think uh, we can, can we add like noted defender? Can we add a noted uh, all-time second, maybe third greatest point guard of all time? Are you surprised at all, man, by the 9-1 start? A little. I, I am a little, to be honest. Um, not surprised in the sense that they were able to win, but surprised that it's all like gelling really fast. The opponents have definitely helped, and – you could look at the schedule and think, yeah, they should be able to have a good start, right? But to be honest, you know, you think, hey, they'd lose to Lakers or Clippers, right? Like one of those they'd, they'd walk away from with an L. So once they made it out of there without one, it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, they might be on to something, but not. So it's surprising that they haven't had those kind of bad performances that teams that are new together have. The only game they didn't play well in, you know, at least in the second half, was the Grizzlies, and they still almost won that. So, but this is about right. They should be beating teams that are beatable for sure. Well, I think what's what's most impressive is, and this early on, I think this goes to what you were talking about. Is kind of the chemistry of the team. Is guys appearing to be unselfish, and because Steph is, well, he, you know, he's coming off a fifty point game, obviously on on Monday night, ten assists, the oldest player to ever do that, which is incredible. What's incredible to me is is how fast this team appears to have gelled because he's not playing at the or shooting at the percentages he shot out for the first part of his career, for most of his career to this point. Yet the team is finding success in other places. Jordan Poole's been really good. Gary Payton the second been really good what to you has stood out about this nine and one run like you said how the chemistry but it just shows just shooting changes everything right like and it's such a stark contrast from last year when at this time when everybody was screaming at kelly Oubre for being in the wrong place or not or baseball not passing the ball right like <laughs> now it's like the ball is whipping around and guys are shooting and there's like a reward for ball movement and body movement, right? Like, and that's one of the things, like a guy like Otto Porter, having Jordan Poole play more in the top of the rotation, even starting like Damian Lee playing more because there's a payoff, right? You you drive, you make a, a, a ball moving extra pass and the guy can knock down a shot. And I, I do think that matters. It creates the chemistry. So shooting is, is huge. They went from not having any or not having enough nearly to many options around Steph. So we already know like how Steph is, man. That dude is a, a walking offense himself. But you put some shooters around him, man, it just changed everything. And not only that, veterans, right? Veteran shooters. 
Otto Porter's already one of them dudes. You could tell, like, you could put that dude at some uh, at some Stacey Adams and some slacks, and he's still gonna be making these dudes. Like, <laughs> that dude could just shoot it. It don't matter. He he could walk outside after church and give you five straight threes just to tell the youngsters they don't know what they're doing. Like, he's got that kind of shot. So. You put some old, you put some older players who know how to play around Steph who can shoot, man. That's kind of all he needs, really. Well, and Bielitsa is the other one. I think Steve mentioned it after the game. Might have been Sunday night or sometime last week. He said this is a unique situation for him because they've had veteran big men before. You go to Maurice Spates, you go to Verizhao or whoever else was on the roster during the dynasty runs, but they haven't had guys like this who could step out, who could move off the ball in the way that these guys are doing so. And I think it's, I mean, it's nice to have Bielitsa there and it's nice to have Porter there, but you're right. To have guards off the bench like Damian Lee, like Gary Payton II, uh, has been sort of a revelation. It felt like for the first couple of games the backup point guard spot was the spot they were missing and and they ran into this problem last year and we saw Nico Mannion kind of get eaten alive a couple of situations why you gotta throw shade at Nico he chilling man in Italy doing his thing he catching the Copeland stray and more power to him more power to him to be chilling in Italy I'm just saying it's what happened last year it's why he's not in the league right now you couldn't throw that shot at Brad Wanamaker it had to be it had to be Oh, he, he was coming. He was next. If he hadn't interrupted, I would have gotten to Brad Wanamaker. Let's talk about GP2, man. He was a guy who, I'll tell you what, when, when they first set the roster and they decided that Avery Bradley wasn't going to be on the team, I thought, oh, boy, I was kind of hoping he would be here. I thought he would be a nice asset off the bench. And now GP2, after the first, what was it, five or six games, didn't get a lot of run. He's the guy. He's getting, like, big minutes now, man. So what you saying is you didn't believe me at first because I was saying GP2 since summer league. <laughs> and I was like, yo, Avery Bradley got to get up out of here. And you still want an Avery Bradley? Man, I thought you was my guy. Oh, man. See, this is the problem. Is you keep receipts on everything. You keep receipts about everything. As do you, buddy, the by time. the way. As do you, KD out. <laughs> I still hear that every now and again. Like, nah. I do play that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. Even if, even if you like GP2, this is wild, yo. Like, he's like the seventh man off the bit, like, in the rotation now, right? Like, <laughs> like he's closing games. Like, two weeks ago, the dude barely was on the team, right? He, if in another twist of fate, like, you know, Orlando would have picked him up and he would be playing for. He would be in New Orleans or something right now, like on the end of the bench. And now this dude is like a huge factor on a team that's clearly going to be a problem in the West. Like the amount of fortuitousness he's experienced you know, after five years of never catching a break. It's been it's been kind of surreal. Like he's literally like, man, he's probably the most valuable dude off the bench right now. That's how good he's been. That's how important he is. And they keep finding new ways to use him. They're putting him on, you know, full court pressure. They're using him like uh, as a in a dunker spot as a lob recipient. Man, he is rebounding. Like this dude is a revelation, man, and and he's hungry. Like that's that's what I really like about it. You throw him, Juan Toscano Anderson, Damian Lee, Otto Porter, who's trying to resurrect his career. You know, Nemanja Bielitsa, who's been like typecast as a certain type of player all his life. I mean, they got some hungry dudes on this team. They got some dudes who got something to prove, who got a chip on their shoulder about something. And he fits that to a T. Even though I think Avery Bradley would have been a good player for them, he wouldn't have been this. Like, as Kalen Azbuki says, has lightning in his legs. His athleticism and his defensive acumen and his, like, you know, the the pressure he could put on the rim is almost filling, like, three holes that they had. And I don't know if you could ever expect that from a 15th player on the roster. 
We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. I think they had 13 steals uh, against the uh, against the Hawks on Monday night. The Hawks had six or seven or something like that. But it was Steph after the game who said he felt like uh, he made he made a joke to uh, to Fitz and Kalena after the the game. Something about him uh, his, his offense exploded because he, he's putting so much time into his defensive player of the year candidacy, and he was joking a little bit about that. But then he said Gary Payton the second's rubbing off on him, kind of being a ball hawk. What would you think of that statement and and how Steph has been approaching the defense this year? You could see it. Like Steph was playing great D like already just because I think he knew without like a Kelly Oubre without Kent Bazemore like he's next up on the docket as far as perimeter players like Andrew Wiggins is going to get the toughest guard next guard is him because he's a better defender than Jordan Poole right so that's a little bit different so he's been locked in on that end he's not reaching like he's playing smart he's effective I think it was a Charlotte the players with four for 17 against them. He's holding, he's holding players below 40%. He's playing well defensively, but now with GP putting that pressure, you could see him kind of feeding off that. You could see like GP turning a guy, like riding him and forcing the guy to spin and Steph coming with that back, with that secondary pressure and, you know, forcing a turnover. Or if, if Gary gets his hand on the ball and create a deflection, Steph's like kind of waiting to scoop it up and go. Like he's feeding off of the pressure that that Peyton is putting on guards. And it's almost like, to me, it it reminds me of like the 49ers of 2019 where the secondary, they could like jump and be super aggressive because the defensive line is like they're giving the quarterback two, three seconds and then he's got to do something so they could be real aggressive. It's the same thing. The ball handler is under so much pressure. He's got to do something. He's got to pass the ball. He's got to spin. He's got to make a decision. And Steph is just preying on that. He's kind of jumping on it and creating and joining Gary and creating the havoc. And I think they've been like a nice little tandem that way. You start throwing Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green in that mix. And man, the Warriors are really tough on the perimeter, tougher than I thought they were for sure. I thought this was going to be a weakness they had. Yeah, number one defense in the league entering that Monday night game against the Hawks. Minnesota playing against or coming to uh, to Chase Center on uh, Wednesday night to take on the Warriors. We just talked about the depth and about the bench of this team, and you went through that whole thing, and you didn't even mention Andre the first time through. We're all excited about Klay Thompson coming back, and if the team is playing this well and there's this many weapons on the roster, it's not going to be like, boy, they can really take off when Klay gets back. They'll have the luxury of kind of easing him in. The guy I'm most intrigued by is James Wiseman because he's a more unique player style-wise than anybody who's on the roster right now. Kevon Looney's been that sort of traditional Steve Kerr center who will start the game, play a little bit in the third quarter, and then that's sort of all you see him. I'm wondering where James Wiseman fits in and whether that's something that's going to be sort of an unhinged, maybe disjointed thing to work him in. What are your thoughts on him coming back? I mean, first off, he's in, right? Like, that's number one. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) He would have to be, like, really bad to get pulled, but... He's in. Um, Steve has been playing Otto Porter as the as the stretch five center for, for for significant stretches. I think that's out. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up a starter. Maybe not right away, like last year where they, where he ended up opening night starter as a rookie. But I do think because of his finishing and how badly they need that. I do feel like it's only a matter of time before he ends up the starter. You know, he'd have to get it together defensively. But in that sense, he's just got to protect the rim. They're not going to ask him to be who Looney is. But in that second unit, like, that's his spot. Like, it's him, 
Jordan Poole, Gary Payton, Damian Lee, and you know maybe maybe Juan Toscano Anderson, maybe Bielitsa. There's just gonna be somebody get squeezed out. Maybe it's Otto Porter, Bielitsa, and Damian Lee get squeezed out. But Wiseman is there. They just want somebody who can finish at the rim. They just need it. And Slater posted this clip, I think it was from the Charlotte game, where he drives, dumps it to Looney, and Looney pump fakes himself out of the shot. And you can see Steph on the side telling Wiseman, like, hey, you're going to be in this spot. This is going to be you. We just need you to kind of match that thing. So you could see them kind of prepping for it. It's going to be a simplified role. It won't be, yo, uh, 22 feet from the basket. Yo, hey, Wiseman, get a bucket. They ain't doing that. <laughs> if they doing that, I'm going to have fun writing about that uh, or, or posting him up. It should be pick and roll, dive to the basket, or even a pick and pop, right? But finish at the rim, protect the rim, and keep it simple. And I feel like he, he should be able to play because, I mean, right now it's Gary Payton catching the lobs and Iguodala catching lobs. <laughs> oh, and Wiggins. Wiggins, Wiggins is catching catch lobs him, too yeah. now. Yeah. At some point, like, they're going to want the seven-foot-two athletic freak to just, you know, sky over everybody catch the lob. It's just another weapon to have. And we still haven't seen them against a good defense that has answers for them, right? They'll need another counter, and per- potentially that's Wiseman. Could be a rich get richer situation when both of those guys come back. Can't let you go, Marcus, without a thought. Uh, on the new book, man, Dynasties, the 10 greatest of all time teams that changed the NBA forever. This thing is, is cool, man. I'm looking at it right now. I got a copy in front of me. I, you run through a bunch of these dynasties the Bill Russell Celtics, the Magic Johnson Lakers, Bad Boy Pistons, Jordan Bulls, all the way up to the Steph Curry Warriors. You subtitle it the Dynasties that changed the NBA forever. Is there a dynasty, in your opinion, after writing this book, that changed the NBA more than the Steph Curry Warriors? Oh, that's a tough one. Maybe the Mike and the Mike and Lakers because they actually got the league off the ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it was, yeah, they started. It was it. like yeah. a yeah. It was like in it was like in the high school and YMCA gyms, right? Until Mikey came along, probably the Celtics, right? Just because they pioneered a lot of these little elements that we kind of take for granted, you know. Steph is, you know, the greatest transition player of all time, probably, right? Just because he can drop, you know, it takes him three shots to get nine points, right? (laughs) Where others, you know, they need more. He's just so potent in transition. But it was the Celtics who, you know, pioneered transition offense, right? It was Russell swatting the shot, keeping it inbounds so they could run. The idea of a six man, right? We're talking about um, the, the the second unit and who's coming in and Gary Payton's role. Celtics created that, right? That's that's our back holding back uh, Havlicek, you know, the young Havlicek, so he can, so after running the 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 team, he can come back with another gear with Havlicek. And you know, I, I know you look on the court and you see a lot of black faces. Well, you can credit the Celtics for that. Like, first all-black starting lineup, first black player drafted, first uh, black coach, empowering Bill Russell. So a lot of what they did, you know, the social the social impact players seeking to have, speaking out, using their platform and all that. Celtics, right? And Celtics were doing it when it was real. You know what I'm saying? Not that it's not real now, but they faced death, right? It was at a time where the civil unrest was great. Was great in the middle of the civil rights movement and Russell was doing it in the middle of like the bus and, you know, riots and all that in Boston. And it was just grave times, right? Like, you know, you had to be a gangster to really be about that life. And they were. So to me, a lot of that stuff 
gets overlooked by the fact that there were only like eight or ten teams in the league and Bob Cousy dribbled with his forearm, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like we focus on that too much and probably should be respecting them for how much they innovated the game. And that only increases the appreciation for Steph to me. Steph Curry Warriors, anyway. Yeah, what's crazy to me, just reading through this thing on the way out, is the uh, how young the NBA is, right? Everything you're talking about. The NBA is such a young league relative to, to Major League Baseball that, you know, they've been playing baseball since the, the late 1800s or Civil War it was invented. It is such a, a modern game. It's such a modified game for today's generation that's uh, reading through these dynasties and how they've affected uh, things on the court and off have been uh, really cool, man. So uh, good job writing it, and, uh, and thanks for coming on the podcast today, man. Absolutely. Uh, I just need to know before you go, uh, which is your favorite chapter? What is my favorite chapter? I'd be lying to you if I said I finished it as I, as I, uh, I plug it for yeah, you I here just, on the I podcast. I just wanted to see if you were lie. That's all. Well, you know, the first one I went to, first you. one I went to was the Bad Boy Pistons. That's that, just because the Bad Boys 30 for 30 documentary is my all-time favorite. One of my all-time favorite uh, 30 for 30. So I ran right to that. Just because I like reading about Isaiah, man. He's like a hero and he's a goat. It seems like to, uh, to whichever side you're a fan of in the NBA. Bit underrated, too, I would say. I mean, Michael Jordan still hate him. That means he must have been pretty good. He wasn't on the Dream Teams. Yeah, Michael Jordan's still laughing about it. Still still hating. 30 years later, he's still hating. So I'll finish reading it, and I'll get back to you then about what my absolute favorite was. But right now, I jump to the Bad Boy Pistons. That's uh, that's number one for me. I'm glad you didn't say Warriors since you've seen it all. Get your your history, man. man. Yeah, Get your history. Right. I like that. I wasn't going to go Spurs either. That's not the direction I was going, man. So appreciate it, man. We'll catch up with you later, Marcus. All right. Thanks, man. Great stuff for Marcus Thompson. Make sure you pick up a copy of the book Dynasties, the 10 greatest of all time teams that changed the NBA forever. Fantastic artwork. It's really well uh, written by Marcus. Breaks down the cultural significance of some of these uh, these NBA dynasties as he was just talking about impacts on the court and off. And it runs through really what is a short history in the NBA. Uh, make sure you pick it up again. Dynasties, the 10 greatest of all time teams that changed the NBA forever. And make sure you check out the Warriors Plus Minus podcast. You can always hear Marcus Thompson there and follow him on Twitter at Thompson Scribe. Thank you to Marcus. Thank you to Brian, my producer. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We'll keep bringing you the best stories in Bay Area sports. On Friday, we'll take a look into what's going on with the Las Vegas Raiders. A tumultuous last couple of weeks for the Raiders from Henry Ruggs to losing their head coach and John Gruden to Damon Arnett being released from the team. All things we can talk about ahead of their game against the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend. And then next week, we'll talk to Jordan Rodriguez, who covers the Los Angeles Rams for The Athletic about 49ers and Rams on Monday Night Football. All that's to come in the days and weeks ahead. Until then, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.